Welcome back to Pull Up with Miles and Owen, episode 20 today. This week, we're joined by WNBA vet Sequoia Holmes, who will be suiting up for AU for the first time this year. Welcome, Sequoia. Welcome to the show. Thanks for pulling up. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So so we're excited to talk about uh, a lot of things, and we want to get into your overseas play. By our count, you've played in eight countries, which, you know, is, is ridiculous. It could be more. We're going to get to that, but we want to start with Athletes Unlimited um, because it's a cool opportunity to stay stateside and play in the winter. Uh, how how did Athletes Unlimited come onto your radar? Um, well, uh, Sydney, actually, Sydney Colson, good friend of mine. Um, we played in San Antonio together the first year. Um, reached out to me like, hey, um, I'm getting involved with this new league. It's player driven. I want you to get on the Zoom calls, uh, uh, you know, the PEC at the time and um, the exec like committee could kind of tell you about it. Um, she talked with me or sent me the link. It was just like, I don't know, maybe five or six players at that time. But I was just still kind of in between going overseas. Um, so I ended up signing to go play Euro Cup in Greece that year um so i was just like no i'm a pass already signed or whatever to go play euro cup obviously being a new league didn't really know what to expect and then the following year i was signed to go to italy so italy i mean so uh sydney first into introduced me to it um i thought it was very cool back then just was kind of already tied to something I already have a, a follow-up that we didn't even plan on getting into because I just have to ask about Sydney Colson, a legend. Uh, what what she like, you know, like her public persona is so amazing and, and hilarious. What what, what what's the Sydney Colson that that you get to see as as her friend? Um, the same one that everyone sees for sure. Maybe even a little bit more of what uh you guys don't see. <laughs> so, but Sid's awesome, you know. Um, but I think out as outgoing as she is, and you know. The per, as much per, as bigger personality as she has, she's such a sweet person, very very giving and kind. So I don't know, a lot of people may not know that side uh, of her. She's she's just a good human being. So that was my experience talking to Sid last year. With you were talking about the the players executive committee at Athletes Unlimited, and with Sid's placement on that, just kind of seeing a different side of her as a leader, as someone who is, you know. In, at the front of the line and not someone who's just at the back making jokes and, and and just like cutting it up with everybody. But to see Sid have those those layers that you might not get to see when she's, you know, giving her aces teammates trouble on, on social media or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. She's, um, she's dope. Yeah. Yeah. The I wanted to ask about something that's unique to AU is just the scoring system, right? That it's basically like fantasy basketball, but that you're playing in the moment. Uh, every single thing that you do, you know, you make a shot, you miss a shot that will give or or take away points and you got to win quarters. So like there's this balance of trying to play team basketball. And then there's the balance of knowing that every single thing that you do individually will also be graded and, and that will go into the redrafts and everything like that. Do you have any trepidation about that? Or do you think, you know, as soon as the ball is thrown up, you're just. No, I think. um I think as long as you play the game the right way um, and, you know, try not to get so caught up into, you know, the leaderboard stuff, I think it kind of comes organically. 
Um, I'm actually a fan of it for me because I'm kind of a, I guess what you would call a stat stuffer, right? You know, every category in the stat line is there's something there for me um, traditionally um, rebounding, assisting, um, scoring and things like that. So, you know, steals when somebody can fill it up, it's, it's beneficial for them, I guess, to be able to, to be in those types of categories. Yeah. We were, we were looking back at your UNLV days and uh, that, that guard forward wing, like you're, you're kind of a tweener in that spot. So like you were, you know, leading that your team as a guard in rebound. So I think that that's the kind of thing, like you said, that's going to really play well at AU. But yeah. yeah, before we jumped on the call, you said you grew up in Vegas. Uh, you're back in yeah. Vegas now, but um, you stayed local for UNLV. Yeah. Your professional career, too. You started undrafted, but then go to Houston as a rookie and play a little bit there. Is that the first time that you were away from home? Like, I know that you traveled, obviously, when you're playing in college, but but living away from home was was as a pro? Yeah, yeah. First time living away from home. <clears throat> I mean... I lived, you know, on, on campus my first year as like a rule. And then, you know, I had an apartment and things. So I wasn't in my mom's house. But yeah, you know, we're like 20 minutes away from the school. So pretty much home. Uh, so first time living away was in Houston. Yep. What was that transition like? Because I, now I know at this point, looking back, like we said, you've played at a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different countries overseas. But that first time away from home, I'm sure is the toughest and especially with being undrafted, like you didn't really, you had even less control over that, over where you were going to end up than some of the players that on draft night are like, okay, well now I have at least, you know, 24 hours to pack a bag and go somewhere. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> I th I'd say for me, I was, it was a uh, surprisingly easy transition. I don't know if I was just ready to go because I had already been home all this time. Um, but I traveled a lot when I was a kid not really staying in places, but my, my family made sure that I was exposed to different things. And I actually was so ready to go that I didn't even stay for college graduation. I was like, I'm out of here. I, I was like, I left a bit early. I had already graduated in December. So at the semester, I was kind of just in courses and waiting for the season to be over <laughs> once it was over. And the draft that year was in April, uh, early April, actually. So right, right, like before um, the final four, like right when, as that ended a couple of days later, I think um, that year, uh, it was an Olympic year as well. And I just was like, I'm out. Like, so the transition was cool. I enjoyed Houston a lot. I loved it there actually. I actually love Texas in general um, as a place um, to, to live, um, but also never really want to, not be at home um so i love home you were like you never want to leave vegas i'm like no nah, i spend enough time away so i want to <laughs> kind of be here yeah one of the reasons we were so excited to have you on is to get your perspective on the growth of women's basketball because not many people can say that they played with tina thompson diana tarasi and asia wilson kind of three different eras of greatness uh, in women's basketball. So this is a two-part question. Firstly, with those players or any other greats that you've crossed paths with, uh, any stories, anything you were able to soak up from these players? And then two, just what have you seen from, from the growth of the sport over the last couple decades? Uh, 
So the first part, I mean, there's millions of stories <laughs> for sure. Um, the game, like being a, a part of that, uh, those three like transitions of the game have been amazing for me. Um, so much knowledge to soak up. I'd say the the biggest thing that I've just learned uh, from you know all those vets and and even like just how to be a professional, right? Like <clears throat> you know how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know people are going to remember you um, way past you know basketball for the person that you are. So that was something that was big for me. Um, the vets kind of instilled that in me, like the hard work and the effort that you put into it. Um, you know, not, you're not always going to like everybody, but respect is earned. And that was something that was huge for me. Um, but seeing all those three, like, were, is great, like to be able to, you know, obviously Tina was at the end of her prime, probably going into, you know, retirement part, but you know, some of her best games were that were that 2008 year or, like, watching her carry that team. I mean, I think we were, like, half a game out of the playoffs or something like that. So that was amazing to watch with a very young team and a couple older vets. Um, being in Phoenix was a great experience watching Diana go to work um, and just her uh, ferocity out there on the court, Our determination, just – being unstoppable at times was 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 good to watch and then Asia just growing um she was still a rookie when I was playing but you could see that the the future was so bright for her kind of coming in um you know but I would say one of the funniest things is that back then we used to have like <laughs> rookie uh duties and things like that <laughs> carrying bags and you know, always, you know, running to get Gatorades and just kind of having to do whatever, you know, the vets put on us. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a time for sure. I think they've gotten away from that a little bit, but uh, it was fun. Um, and the growth of the game has been major. I also coach like girls basketball. I have an organization here in Vegas and just seeing the, you know, from the financial aspect, what's been able to be provided to us, um, things have changed a lot with endorsements and, you know, just seeing faces on TV. If it's progressive right now or State Farm and, you know, CarMax, you know, <laughs> just seeing Candace and Sue and all of them like on commercial with Steph and and just the growth of the game from the business aspect is has been huge. I think that what the ladies have been been able to do with uh, their new collective bargaining agreement has been tremendous. Um, you know, I think social media and just having cameras around all the time when you're seeing these young ladies able to dunk and so like being on social media and, and seeing these things firsthand, you know, they're the, those types of um, outlets weren't, weren't available all the time, you know, and, and they're waiting and they're excited to see like the next big play, uh, the media uh, for women's basketball. Uh, I think the game has grown so much and it's, it's just getting, getting better. Um, so shout out to, you know, all those that, you know, paid the way for, for all the ones now that are here and they're getting the benefit of, of that groundwork.
it's it's truly amazing. You were ahead of the time when you had a blog of your own. We saw on your website and we read through that uh, when we were prepping for this interview. So it feels like you also have one foot in the media camp. Like you're, you feel like you're one of us almost because you were sharing your experiences and that really gave us such, such great insight into some of what you'd gone through in playing overseas. But also this was, so this was more so when you were already in Spain and you talked a little bit about, or you talked about that experience and said that when you first went overseas, that first trip wasn't for you. But now you're someone who has gone to Spain, Germany, Greece, Israel, Italy, Angola, Finland, Turkey. I'm sure I'm missing some in there too. What have you what have you learned from those experiences having, you know, bounced around somewhat, but also having started your life, like you said, like mostly in Vegas, even if you traveled a little bit with your family, but never really as far as you have as in playing in all of these countries? Well, yeah, like I I really try to divulge myself into the cultures that I'm there, like try to learn a little bit of the language, obviously eat the food. I'm a big foodie. So, you know, all of those places, just experiencing the culture, trying to understand where I am. I think as a, a rookie kind of going to Spain, um, it was difficult. Um, I didn't want to say it wasn't for me. Uh, I ended up getting cut um just because they wanted to do some different things and um I don't think I didn't think I really fit the coach's play style but I think opportunity is everything right so you know getting the opportunity to kind of be who you are be free play and and have fun is huge um in this profession in general whether that be in a league or overseas um but you know just kind of staying with it just determined to to not be be put out, you know, because it's easy to kind of give up and say, well, you know, the opportunity I want is not here. And, and then just kind of be like, you know, I don't want to do it anymore. But my drive and passion just for basketball in general would not really allow me to, to stop. I knew, you know, that I belonged. Um, I would say I like, you know, I could play in the league for all of the years that, you know, of my career. But again, opportunity is a, is a is a huge thing. And we know, you know, the deal with the league, the roster spots aren't, you know, there's not many, you know. So kind of being able to go overseas and still work on your game, develop yourself and, you know, coaches still being <clears throat> to see that you're active. You know, Pokey kind of told me once, like, it's important to stay relevant. So if you're playing, you're always relevant. So being relevant was one of my things. Like it may not be on the stage that I that I'm that I want to be, but you know, at the time overseas, you know, a lot of WNBA players were playing overseas. They weren't, you know, in in a financial state to like just not play both seasons. So I would eventually be able to match up against some of them, and then that would be my time to kind of show what I could do. So sticking with it, yeah, Spain was a trip though. Um, it was, it was, it was an experience for me. Um, food. I love the food. I love where I was. I was in Ibiza, Spain. Uh, I actually had signed with two of my teammates from Houston. They were supposed to come, but they were injured at the time. So that made it a little bit tougher to, cause they didn't come over immediately, make it a little bit tougher to transition. Um, but I mean, going into Germany was a little bit more of a, I could kind of go there, grow my confidence um, and plan wasn't um, wasn't such a difficult lead to plan at the time and ended up coming out pretty good, playing well. And I 
put on a good show for myself. I have so many follow-ups because all of, all of overseas play just is fascinating to me. Um, something that you wrote and that I think really came through in that answer was for every negative, there are two positives. And I think that that perspective for when you're going to be going through all these different cultural situations, all these different life situations like that, you have to be able to maintain some kind of like level-headed mantra or perspective like that, um, which is just something that is terrifying to me as someone who has to like schedule every single part of my day. Um, but you talked about the roster spots in the W and you were in the league at a time where it wasn't as, as growing in the way that it is today, where there were, it was the final year of that Comets franchise, your rookie year. So the league was contracting in some places, which I'm sure made it even more chaotic to, to kind of build a career there too. So how did you, how do you kind of maintain that positivity uh, that just kind of keep your head up for this new opportunity. And then my next follow-up is I just have to hear about some of your favorite foods at these, at these countries that you've stopped at. Um, maintaining po positivity. I think, um, for me, I've never, you know, been counted in. Right. So kind of always had a chip on my shoulder, wasn't highly touted out of high school, um, you know, had some good looks. Right. But not necessarily if this is the kid that I want type of um, type of interest, um, maybe wait and see if we don't sign someone else and we'll pick her up type of deals. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it the mindset started, you know, that that perseverance was going to be something that I built, you know, built my built my game on right being able to <clears throat> get through any adversity and it wasn't easy for sure there was times where you know you get discouraged but just staying focused on the work that you put in um staying faithful you know uh you know i like to <clears throat> you know i have have faith in god that you know whatever's for me is going to happen um, and if it's not for me, then I got to move on to the next opportunity. You know, one door closes, another one opens type of mentality. And, you know, I was just in the gym, really a gym rat, you know, and, and that was hard in, it, in and of itself as well. Like just making sure that um, mentally I stay locked in on the things that I needed to do just in case the call came and I was ready. Because um, you never want it to be your on your fault, you know, if you know, the call comes and you're so frustrated or mentally out of it that you, you, you haven't been focused on what you need to do for the time to come. And then you miss out on your opportunity. You can't blame anybody else for that, but you, so I just wanted to make sure that I focused in on the work that needed to be done, staying in the gym every day, getting better, um, learning the game, but then, you know, sharing that game back, you know, the, 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 my experiences, the things that I've gone through with the youth, um, they've motivated me a lot to, to stay at it, to, to keep, um, trailblazing, if you will, um, in, in some of those areas. So, yeah. And the foods, man, so many different foods. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm actually a meat person. So a good lamb chop or, you know, Israel has some good lamb turkey as well. Um, paella in Spain was amazing. Seafood, pretty much in all of those Mediterranean countries around the Mediterranean, was pretty good. Um, I man, <laughs> it's so many different different things. Greek Greek food is amazing. Italian is my favorite. 
traditional Italian is is awesome. So, yeah, I, I don't know why. Right the before wine, lunchtime, you know. yeah, I don't know why. Right before lunchtime, I decided to ask you to list all of this food because now I'm going to have to edit out the sounds of my stomach for the rest of the pod interview because that all sounds fantastic. Italy's on the top of my list. I haven't been there, but yeah, I could eat Italian food every day, basically. Yeah, I was, I was like, we might have to abandon the last couple of questions we have here <laughs> to, to go get lunch. Uh, I did want to touch on on something. You know, we've talked a lot already about how much Las Vegas means to you. And you mentioned your organization. So I wanted to give you a chance to to talk about that in depth and, and how much giving back uh, means to you. Well, it means a, a whole a whole bunch. Um, in the in the recent conversations with some of my mentors and and people that, you know, I kind of expressed like I haven't really ever had, you know, that consummate pro to go look at you know, to see, you know, what things are like, how, how you should conduct yourself. I definitely have community leaders, but they weren't professional athletes that were women, right. That I could go and say, how do, how do I do this? You know, or, or, you know, there was a few college players, but they were like years and years, years removed. So it was just a different time, but going like, I'm, kind of like the first of the class. So a little bit of pressure on me, I feel like to set the standard of what what that means for my city. And my community means so much to me because, you know, I was just embraced as a youngster, as a child, you know, mom and dad were always involved, but, you know, the community helped raise me. Boys and Girls Club kid, a community center kid, like just always, you know, being kind of, there was always someone else there kind of watching when mom had to work. So, you know, making sure that I was doing the right things, making sure that, you know, instilling certain values in me that, you know, I I just was encompassed by so many different coaches and so many different people in the community. And I feel like I need to be that for some of the young girls because I know what I was missing coming out of high school. Like, how do I decide what college I want to go to? What things do I look at? What who do I talk to? Like having those types of people, there wasn't one. Um, my sister went to college, but she didn't, wasn't a sport. She didn't play sports in college. So I don't know what questions to ask when I'm on a home visit. Like I need to have a list or, or just someone that I could, you know, kind of go to if I needed. And I was mature in the sense that I, any information that I needed, I would go seek it um, as, as a youngster, but even my parents, like they, they just want to know if you're going to take care of my baby. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. Like, hey, you might tell her every on the, I'll sit in front of her TV and the couch and tell her she's going to play every game. Right. But when you get there, it's a totally different story. Like those types of things, what questions to ask. And, and then just, you know, as I kind of got out of the league in Houston, um, I started doing basketball camps. I went back to my high school and, the first camp I had about 30 kids there, 30 girls. And, and that was an accomplishment for me to have them come out. Some that were younger than me and, you know, just I knew their parents or whatever. And then the next year it grew to 60, 70. The next year, every summer I was kind of doing that camp. And, you know, the, the biggest camp was like 120 girls out at, at my high school. Um, and then, you know, there was one summer where <clears throat> I decided uh, uh, right before COVID, I think like, hey, I'm not going to do the camp, but I was home for whatever reason in the interim and I was watching high school basketball ball. And I'm like, man, I need my own organization. 
<laughs> you know, like I, I think that I need to grow this camp thing instead of it being two or three days and let it be a summer thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there was some talk about like academy style and, and, and doing some things like that. But, you know, I went into the AAU um, market, um, you know, with my own grassroots program. It was called Sequoia Select. And then getting involved with that, COVID kind of came around a couple years later. And as those kids kind of phased out, their senior year was the COVID year. So they graduated and then I just was not doing it for obvious reasons. And then 2021, um, a good friend of mine who I played basketball with when we were kids, he um, had a few girls that were playing on his boys AAU team. And he's like, you know what? I need you to come back into the AAU realm because I got all these girls and I'm a man. I have no idea what's going on. Like you need to come and help me. And, you know, I, I couldn't turn that opportunity down. So I kind of ushered my few kids because I had some middle school girls too, to him while I was still overseas. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna hold it down until you get back. And then we hitting the ground rolling with, with the girls program. And then it, it, it spiraled into something huge, um, especially for Vegas. Like we got, you know, some girls that are getting very, very good, good looks. Um, they're playing on the EY, EYBL circuit. There, there's some big names, top, you know, at least top 30, 40 in their class right now. So that's huge. Um, the culture here, girls basketball culture in Vegas is, is growing and changing. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of that. Um, we just, are going to, you guys are probably the first media source to kind of hear, like we're going to um, join Vegas Elite Boys Program. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're looking to do some big things. So it's exciting, exciting time right now. That's, that's so awesome. That's all really, really great stuff. And my follow-up to that was, have there been challenges when you're overseas because you are so community oriented and just maintaining the advocacy work and maintaining that growth, because it does sound like whether it's outside stuff like like COVID that you can't control or just the fact that the circuit is is constantly evolving. And it really feels like it, it's a 24 hour a day kind of thing to keep up with all the coordination for tournaments, but also for, you know, recruiting talent and, and, and building and building and making sure that you are being that positive impact. How have you maintained that with a hectic overseas schedule? Well, I think um, having a good <clears throat> uh, support system, right? Uh, when I was on my own, my family helped out a lot. They were there helping me. Um, but it was definitely difficult because I did a lot of things by myself. I think the best thing for me at the time was combining with Julius, which is um, the, the gentleman's name that is a good friend of mine from being young. We played AAU together when I played on the boys team. Um, because then we have a team of people because it was so hard when I would, you know, be with them all summer. And then I have to leave during their high school season. And of course, other AAU programs would show up to the games and kind of recruit them and things like that. And I wasn't able to be there hands on. And then, you know, my staff wasn't huge. You know, they were just volunteers, people that I played with. So they had work or things like that. So it was hard to to be like so involved during the school season. But having them kind of combine or us kind of combining with another organization. We had several coaches and um, right now we kind of coach high school together. Like I, I actually, he kind of pulled me into his high school program as well. So I'm assisting him there. So we're kind of hands-on with them all year round, but there were some challenges just 
when it was just me. I think building a team of people that kind of support you and you guys have like vision and we're able to to understand um, that, you know, our club kids need to be connected with some of our coaches. Like, so they may go to the same high school that we have several coaches at or whatever. And we're, we're able to, to keep the community together. Um, so, you know, you always have a, a hierarchy of, of people and delegating is, is huge. Making sure, you know, everybody knows their, their, their part to the machine, their working, does their working part for the machine and, and things go, go a little bit smoothly. Like there's always going to be bumps, bumps in the road. I think when you talk about the evolution of the circuit, it's always changing, you know, families are always changing. Um, everybody's going to be the next, um, Asia Wilson. So we, we or, or have that thought. So, you know, just kind of putting the best product out there is the whole goal. Um, and just to get these parents and families to do what's best for their, for their chip, for their kid. Like, I mean, whatever program that is, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Just that they're getting what they need from that, from that service is the, is the biggest thing. So I wanted to close with something I read on one of your blogs, which were fantastic. This idea of active rest, I love. And earlier you talked about staying ready and how important staying ready is. So I I would love to hear you explain this idea of active rest. From, from my understanding, you know, you might get only one month where you really are able to be away from basketball in, in your schedule every year. And this is an idea where you are staying on your feet and doing things that are active, but also maybe restful mentally, like yoga, swimming, things that are enjoyable, but still active and keeping your body going. So I'd love to hear that from your perspective. No, you're, you're exactly right. Owen. like, um, those type of physical activities that allow your mental to shut off at times. Um, I mean, for me right now, <laughs> Um, the active rest part being a little bit older is huge. Like sometimes I'll just go in the sauna, for example, uh, or a steam room and I'll get, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes of abs in there. You know, I'm able to kind of decompress. That's huge. I, hot yoga was one of the things I used to do a lot, which isn't, I don't <laughs> rest at all. It's actually very, very difficult, but you kind of come out feeling refreshed and rejuvenated, but even things like hiking, what is one um, that I love? Uh, you know, some days I'll just, you know, do some intense stretching um, or, you know, just go for a jog and then maybe no on-court stuff on the weekends. Just maximizing the time that you have, even, you know, if it if it's a time thing. So maybe I, you know, get a, a two-a-day in basketball, uh, weights or whatever, and then I don't do that again until – you know, I may take a, a longer rest in between, maybe not the next morning, but the next evening. So I'm kind of getting almost, you know, <laughs> more over, you know, 36 hours of rest in, in that in that time. Um, but just doing different things that 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 kind of keep your cardio up, but doesn't pound on the body as much. That's what I would consider like active ref. It, it's been hard though right now, especially like coaching high school. Um, you know, sometimes I'll jump in practice with them or whatever, and, and they're they're like happy, like it's their opportunity to get the coach back. So they're like setting really hard screens and on me and 
fouling me pretty hard and stuff like that, <laughs> but it's cool. Uh, I think even like Miles, you had mentioned, um, you know, how do you kind of stay enriched? Like I feel in the basketball culture, like I have to go. We're in the middle of playoffs. We're, we're having our first round playoff game on Thursday. And uh, after that, I got to go to AU. So I'm not going to be around for semifinals uh, or the championship. And it's one of the hardest things um, to be able to just like walk away because I got a whole nother career, you know, and the girls are always a little bit sad, but happy for me. And, and it, it's, it's a time. So just kind of reminiscing on the time that, you know, all right, it's time for work now, you know, but I, I think, you know, coaching and just the youth stuff is becoming a huge part of my passion. And, oh, and I try to put input some of that stuff into them, the active rest, right? Making sure you guys understand what it looks like for ice bath and make sure you stretch because we know when you're a kid, you're just out there, you hooping. It's not super important, but letting them know how taking care of your body and finding other hobbies, you know, to do outside of basketball. I think that's a huge thing mentally too, because, you know, a lot of athletes, they're, that's all they do. You know, I'm a basketball player. Just in showing them that, that, you know, there's other things out there and you don't have to – you can be a basketball player, but it doesn't have to be, like, all of who you are. Yeah, I I know that Owen just said we wanted to get you out on that, but now, of course, I have more follow-ups because you. I remember you talking in your blog about the average career – span for um uh, for a female basketball player is five years and you've been playing pro since 2008 and so I think that longevity plays in as well when you talk about all this stuff where it's it's a holistic experience for you it's not just the muscles that you need to get up and down the court but it's everything to keep your body right but to keep your mind right also so what do you what would you say off of the court is your favorite type of exercise off of the court, swimming, for sure. One of the most difficult, uh, probably the easiest to to easiest tool to use to stay in in good better shape, <laughs> you know, because you got some anaerobic stuff in there too, um, just with your breathing. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite exercises off the court. And I wish I loved swimming. It seems like such a great workout. I just, I need to find, I need to trick myself into it. Yeah. I think the hardest thing about swimming is you got to prepare. You got to bring a bunch of extra stuff. You, you know what I mean? It's like a hassle, but <laughs> you got to shower and all that. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's always been my challenge is like, I'll go for a hike or something like that. But swimming, I, we're in New York City and like, we don't really have the same access probably to like public pools or things like that. Um, growing up. So I would always go for a dip in the ocean and then that would be gross. And then I would be out of it very quickly. Um, but yeah, I need to get a pool that that's how I'm going to stay in shape. That's how I'm going to extend my window a little bit. Uh, and, and luckily the muscles that we need for podcasting are not the kinds that you need to, to keep playing pro, but Sequoia, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us about just all of your experiences in, in playing here, playing overseas. And we're really excited to see you at the end of this month in Dallas for Athletes Unlimited. Uh, a reminder starts on February 29th and runs through March 23rd. And they'll be playing at Fair Park Coliseum in Dallas. Again, thank you so much for pulling up with us, Sequoia. No, for sure. Thanks for having me. You guys asked great questions. <laughs> and I, I really, really enjoyed myself. It was, it was a 
it was a pleasure for sure we appreciate that we appreciate that have a good one thank you so you much too.